Welcome to Grad Life by the Horns, the bi-weekly podcast covering all things grad life. Hosted by me, Becky Hills. And me, Sophie Scully. So hello and welcome back to another episode of Grad Life by the Horns. It is the penultimate episode of season three and we're changing it up a little bit today and it's just me and Sophie still over Zoom, we're still in COVID. Um, We're just going to be having a little chat about lockdown life what's going on with us how things have changed over the last few months reflecting a little bit on the fact that we've been doing this for nearly a year now which is crazy it's so strange isn't it how have we done this for nearly a year i know and and i know like i've seen you over well obviously not during lockdown but as like rules and regulations started to soften a bit but even recording in a room with someone feels like a century ago <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, it feels, well, the last time we recorded with a real person was Rachel, and that was, what, early March? And it's just, it feels so strange, even being in that close proximity to people anymore. It's just like, oh, this is really weird now. You know what's going to be really odd is obviously Becky and I are friends, otherwise that would be really awkward. (laughs) And we talk about grad life and what's going on in each other's lives a lot, but I feel that having an episode like this will really help us kind of reframe our mindset because it's been like you said nearly a whole year and the first episode well after Bronte's was us and everything that's been going on it's just weird to think that it's been it's just been such a long time since we've reconnected and reflected on what all of the previous wonderful guests have said so I feel like now is a good time to do this and hopefully you guys as listeners really resonate with something that Becky or I are going through because we've gone through quite a lot to say the least (laughs) definitely I know it's it's so strange because obviously this time last year so what August 2019 I just finished uni I was a couple months into my job hadn't moved to London yet it was all just completely wild and like you were living at home still and had you started working for Create Eye at that point or not uh god yeah I had so I have been working at Kratai, which is my stepmom's consulting company, in May. So I had been at, oh my God, what the hell? What the hell? How is that? That's crazy. Why did I think it was later than May? That's gone so quickly. I know. Well, it, we met in when we were working for High Flyers, and that was last year in January. So... God, you can put up with me for a year and a half. Good Lord. (laughs) I feel like I've known you for bloody years. It's so weird. Time goes by so quickly, but at the same time, you actually look back and like, how was that only a year ago? I know it's mad. I think like everyone always says it's that like life moves so much quicker, like quicker. That's not a word. Quicker as you get older, but it really, really does. I just I can't fathom the fact that I'm 22, which in the grand scheme of things is still very young. But in my head, I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting wrinkled, my back hurts, like I'm getting so old. But yeah, I thought this would just be a really like fun opportunity for us to catch up and record it. And just kind of impart the limited amount of wisdom I have onto everybody and just to kind of get a bit of an insight of where we're at. Because <laughs> obviously so much has changed in a year. And yeah, it'd be really interesting to then like listen back to the episode we did last year and see how much we've changed as people and how much our lives have changed too. I know. So shall we get started? And we are going to ask each other similar questions in the way that we ask guests. We've created three questions for each other. But we always start, even with our guests, with the question, Becky, what's gone wrong in your life recently? 
Oh, goodness me. What's gone wrong? So if you'd have asked me this a couple of weeks ago, I would have been like, everything is going wrong. My life is doomed. Mercury's in retrograde. I hate everything. But at the moment, everything, touch wood, seems to be going really, really well. I'm trying to think of what's gone wrong recently. Uh, I mean, I dropped a kettlebell on my foot in the gym this morning. That wasn't particularly fun. Thought I'd broken my toe. Luckily, haven't broken my toe. It's just quite bruised. And I suppose I'm just melting in the heat. So can I, can I say that what's gone wrong is it's really hot and I'm a clumsy human being. Yeah, well, at least you went to the gym. That's the main thing. Becky, I'm proud of I mean, that's that's the one positive. I really had to drag myself out of bed this morning. I was like, it's too hot to go to the gym. And I was like, no, you'll feel so much better when you've gone. Let's just go and do it. And I regretted it after. No, I didn't regret it afterwards. I was happy I'd done it afterwards. But I regretted it afterwards when I left. And I was like, I'm even more hot now. What have I done to myself? Okay, so leading on from that, Bex, what's going on in your life? So I've just finished the first series of the Night Frank podcast, which to give you a bit of an insight, it's something I've been working on over the last few months during lockdown. It's a podcast that I host, produce and edit for Night Frank here in a state agency and commercial property company that I work for. So it's all about senior people in our business talking about their lives and their careers. So I just wrapped uh, the eighth episode of the series, so the end of the first series yesterday. So that's really exciting. That's been a really cool thing to be doing amidst all this kind of turbulent stuff to have that little bit of regularity and a really cool project to do so that's been super fun so wrap that yesterday I recommend listening to that podcast guys <laughs> have, a, have a listen yeah. why thank you and yeah so I've been starting seeing friends again I am looking after Huxley at the moment so if you haven't listened to an episode that we did at the end of series two Huxley is our friend Ursula's influencer dog so I'm dog sitting him at the moment which is so exciting having a great time but yeah life is just really really good at the moment there's lots of cool stuff going on thinking about my career thinking about my personal life just yeah everything feels really on track at the moment so it's all good in the hood great <laughs> so safe what has gone wrong in your life recently okay so I feel like when you have your shit together I don't and when you don't have your shit together I do so we're kind of like each other's agony aunts. <laughs> this week has been actually quite challenging I think the weather hasn't helped I do not operate very well in heat at all I, and i've seen loads of people talk about this online but i have no productivity at all i feel really flustered my resilience goes all the way down i can't sleep and on top of that as well like work which is really good and i'm so grateful for it. it's really been picking up but lots of stuff's been going in on in my life so some things have been quite stressful and especially this week there have been some really long meetings so I'm just like, oh God, like everything is just like draining me. And I'm quite surprised by it because I normally like really love energy, but I haven't felt like myself this week, which has just been a bit odd. But that that's kind of like a weird thing to say what's gone wrong because you're allowed to not feel like yourself all the time. But here we are, I'm saying it. It's just on my mind a little bit all the time. Yeah, and I think that's really healthy just to say that things aren't completely okay. Things just feel a little bit off kilter because things don't necessarily have to be going wrong in a really extreme way for things not to feel like they're going right. I think it's just all understanding that, that life is full of lots of different textures and it's okay that it's up and it's down and it's in the middle of it and it's all right just to feel a little bit all over the place, especially at the moment. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't want to get into too many details, but I think... So, for example, my mum is a publican, and if anyone out there is in the catering, pub, restaurant space, you know that it's just carnage at the minute. Everyone wants to go out, everyone wants to have fun, and on top of that, they 
have a massive sense of responsibility to stick to risk assessments to keep people safe so i was helping my mum in early july like file everything that was needed do all her risk assessments because i do have quite a strong sense of responsibility and i am quite protective over my mum because she puts a lot on her plate and basically she's been having she renovated she's done redecorated she's done so well and everyone has been giving her such positive feedback and then she gets one bad review which was a complete miscommunication and basically they were just being fussy annoying customers i'm not gonna lie and it completely erases all of the positive like mindsets and feedback that she has and i feel like i'm kind of like in that at the minute like I would have like a really good day and then one thing would happen it just completely tip, tip me off and send me a filter like you said but that's normal it's fine like we have those weeks I think this week in particular with the weather no no <laughs> yeah and I think as well we're just living in such and it's, it's such a cliche but it is it's unprecedented and I think because everyone feels like we're coming out of lockdown now but it's in this weird ambiguous period where it's not completely post-covid but it's also not completely locked down everything just feels a bit odd you're getting FOMO because some people are out and some people are not some people are still really struggling some people still haven't left the house and it's just understanding again that no one's life is the same it's all completely idiosyncratic especially at the moment and that ambiguity is just always going to have a little bit of anxiety associated with it and it's okay not to feel completely normal at the moment and I think we're putting so much pressure on ourselves to feel completely normal because it feels like things are getting back to that pre-COVID state but actually they're really not. And then there are talks of future lockdowns. And yesterday people, was, we got into a recession and it's just all this weird, overwhelming stuff at the moment. And it's completely normal to have those days where you're just all weeks or months where you just don't feel right. So to move on to a slightly more positive thing, what's going on in your life at the moment, Safe? Okay, so quite a lot of stuff is going on in my life. I have just moved into a house with my partner, Matthew which is very exciting it's very stressful but that just comes with the process and learning how to be more independent and learning how to live together and manage priorities and that kind of stuff so that's all a part of the process and i'm i'm currently loving it and we live in between basingstoke and reading so it's a new part of england that i've never never lived in before which is which is nice and i'm currently working from home so I'm freelancing I know a lot of people are working from home if they're working obviously a lot of people unfortunately have lost their jobs or gone into redundancies or anything like that which is obviously really shit I've been lucky enough which was actually like complete luck and depending on who I met at the time to go into some freelance project management and learning and development stuff as well so I've been working with companies like Microsoft and Co-op and lots of creative agencies to try and push out like learning and development initiatives and like switch it to virtual. And I've been pushed out of my comfort zone that there's no tomorrow. I've been asked to do like techie stuff and, and as you know, Bex gives me like crippy anxiety and just loads of different things. And I'm just, I'm just really grateful. And I think a lot of people around me are really future focused. And I know now I've got to be more future focused because of everything going on in my life. I have more dependencies, but I'm so happy of just living in the moment at the minute and being just like grateful for where I am and what I'm doing. 
Yeah, that's amazing. And that's such a positive thing to reflect on as well, especially if you don't feel completely right at the moment, to still have that gratitude and to still be like, but things are great and other elements. I think that's super positive. So let's get into the nitty gritty, Rebecca Hills. Let's ask the questions. So the first question I want to ask you, if you don't mind me going first, is... I've been living vicariously through you in terms of living in London and kind of soaking in the city culture. And we know from doing this podcast that living in London or a big city in general is a massive topic in graduate minds. So what would you say has been the highlight of living in London? And just a little bonus question, what would you say has been the thing you've enjoyed least? Okay, so background. I moved to London in September 2019. I lived back at home in Essex for three months when I finished uni and then decided that the commute was hell on earth and that I couldn't do it anymore. So I moved to London, which had always been the dream and I was so excited to move. And I moved to a place called Balham, which is just below Clapham. It's in southwest London. Lovely, lovely place. Would recommend it to anybody who's thinking of moving to London. Lots of parks, lots of nice people, lots of waitresses. There literally no 21-year-olds in Clapham as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's literally like a graduate hotspot, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard of Balham, you've heard of Clapham. Balham's the better version of Clapham, in my opinion. But, yeah, so I moved to Balham last year, moved into a house with six other girls who I didn't know. I knew a couple of them from uni beforehand, but not very well. And, yeah, moved into this house and life in London has been wild. I, Because I grew up in Essex, I already knew London quite well. My dad works here. We've always kind of done day trips into London, so I felt like I knew it quite well. But over the past year, and especially during lockdown, I have just been exploring like a mad woman. I... I'm just always walking everywhere. I'm always like, right, I'm going to explore today or I'm going to go to this new place or I'm going to go to that new place or what's this suggestion or what's that suggestion? And the first few months in London, all I did was go to bars. That was my main form of exploring. It was great. I spent a lot of time in Bar Elba. I spent a lot of time in Spoons. It was glorious. Had a great time. And then obviously lockdown hit in March and you couldn't go to the pub anymore. So I was like, what the hell do I do with my life? So I decided to start exploring London a little bit more, make the most of being here I think the great thing about London, which not many people talk about, is that some people, if you've never lived in London or you've never been to London properly, it can seem like a really, really overwhelming place. People talk about it being super busy and people not being very friendly, it being like there being lots of pollution, all the kind of negative stuff. And I think a lot of people turn themselves off to London because they think of all the negative stuff and they think it might be overwhelming. And yes, there are moments when London can be incredibly overwhelming. And especially pre-lockdown when everybody was commuting all the time and it was rush hour and it could be really, really intense. And I, for one, I definitely need to take breaks from London every now and again and go back to the countryside and get that fix. But for the most part, I've just, since lockdown, I've just fallen in love with London again. And I was one time, I think one of the highlights I've had from living in London was in fact, there's been a few. There's been a few recently, but one in particular that really sticks in my mind is that I'm a massive walker. I walk everywhere. I did it at uni. I've done it before uni. I did it when I first moved to London. I just walk everywhere. And I decided at the beginning of lockdown, I was like, right, we're allowed to go out for one bit of exercise a day. Didn't, I kind of twisted the rules a little bit. Probably wasn't the best idea, but I was like, I'm living on my own. I lived on my own for 10 weeks. I wasn't seeing anybody else. I wasn't living with anybody who was vulnerable. So I thought this is absolutely fine. I'll take the sanitizer. It'll be grand. And so I did a 15 mile walk around London 
So I walked from where I live in Balham up to Battersea. I then walked from Battersea to Victoria. I then went from Victoria to Westminster up to Trafalgar Square, down Whitehall, all around, and then came back down to the Thames, walked along South Bank, walked through London Bridge, walked through Bank, walked through the city, then walked over Tower Bridge and up through Kennington, back through like Stockwell and Clapham. This incredible 15 mile walk, it took me the entire day. And I just saw empty London and it was the most surreal thing I've ever done I was walking through Westminster past Big Ben over Westminster Bridge Trafalgar Square and there was not a soul there it was the middle of the day on a Saturday and it was empty and it was the most incredible experience one of my life I think I took a disposable camera and took lots of pictures of empty London. I have a, a cringy finster called Becco Falls. Don't follow it, please. And um, and I documented it all on my finster story because I thought this is really fun. And it was it was just incredible to see London so empty. I was listening to podcasts. I was listening to music. And I was just, I feel like I'm in some sort of apocalyptic film amongst all these incredible landmarks. And I just realised as well that with London, you can get anywhere and you can do so much in the city and everything is so close together. And it's, I just felt like this overwhelming gratitude for living in London. I was like, there are so many people all over the world for whom going to London is a once in a lifetime experience and they save up for years and they fantasize about it and it's on their bucket list. And I'm just here living here and I could just walk to Westminster. I could walk to Trafalgar Square. I could go and sit under the London Eye and I could just walk there. And I was like, this is actually mad. And I, and it, ever since then, I've had this new profound, uh, like, I don't know, just this profound love of London. And I just appreciate it so much more. And since then I've been like taking my friends and I've been like, let, let's, let, we can walk to here. Or I've been going on dates and like sitting out in Trafalgar Square until 3am in the rain. And it's just like, it's so surreal. And I'm just like, I'm so grateful for living in London despite all the negatives and trust me there are huge negatives I mean it's extortionate to pay rent there are really rubbish landlords and they're really I mean my landlords are evil they're horrible horrible people and they've, they've screwed us over so many times but when you kind of really go back down to the basics of London there's so much opportunity here it's such a beautiful wonderful city it's so multifaceted there's so much character to the city you can be on South Bank and around all the bridges, all the landmarks, all the really cool stuff that you see in all the skyline pictures, or you can go to Notting Hill and it feels like a village, or you can drive out to Richmond and go to Richmond Park and be amongst deer, or you can go to, where is it, Hammersmith Waterfront, and you can walk along this street that literally feels like something from an English village, and it's incredible, and I've realised, I've probably prattled on for like 20 minutes now, about just how much I love London, but that is what I would have to say about London. (laughs) No, Bex, I think that's brilliant. I think it's also good to show, obviously I asked you, but there are definitely some negatives to London. And when you say things like, I remember you mentioned that you went on your 50 mile walk and I was actually following every step of the way when you're private in so Also thinking at the same time, I'm, that's not for me. <laughs> but it's, I think that's what a lot of people have kind of noticed is I think, especially over lockdown, what they really value in a home and an atmosphere and... I think it's really, it must be lovely to know because of the kind of career you want to get into that you really suit that kind of hustle and bustle and you still have, you know, what I find amazing about London is you just have people's private like space and 
safe space but all kind of just like stacked up on top of each other like you know that scene in Bridget Jones when it kind of like pans out and you just see into people's windows like everyone's doing something yeah that's what I find amazing about London is when you get on a train and you like drive in not to like invade people's privacy but you just keep thinking looking at windows and even into like gardens and just think like there's so many lives going on here there's so much like filling the space and it's like I sound like really Ripley here but no no I love it I love it get deep about London I'm all for it (laughs) I I think that's good because you're facing the reality of yes London is so expensive but at the same time it's really worth it if it if it fits you because a lot of people appreciate the countryside as well so yeah thanks for that yeah no I completely agree and just to prattle on a little bit more about that I think it's I I always used to say like oh I feel like such a wanker talking about like gratitude and how amazing things are and all this sort of stuff but the big thing about lockdown is that it has made me so bloody grateful for everything and I yeah I've just completely fallen in love with London in ways that I never thought I could and I people watch and I do all sorts of really fun things and I push myself out of my comfort zone and it's been amazing and I to anybody who's thinking of moving to London yes there are negatives and you definitely have to consider those negatives like rent and crime and pollution all those sorts of things you have to consider in any city but if you're thinking of moving to London and you're overwhelmed by the sheer amount of things to do in the city or you think it's too big or you think it'd be too overwhelming I can promise you walk somewhere in London and you will fall in love with it because it's bloody incredible thank you for the top tip I went to I told you about this but during lockdown I have two friends that live in Brixton and I love Brixton. I think it's such a cool place. And they went back home to the like proper countryside during lockdown because they just didn't like being in a small flat, so they didn't want to be too on top of each other. And they came back, and I went to Clapham Common last week and felt way too drunk, way too bloody drunk. But I was just sat there, and I felt it was like an abundant Clapham Common. Obviously, is massive, and I know that everyone has been kind of like going there, but. I, I was I just looking around being like, God, all of these walks of lives and I love people watching, like you said as well. And you can't get that anywhere better with a big city like London. It's such, it's such a lovely feeling. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. And it's it's everybody's lives overlapping with each other. And you can sit there and you could just go and sit on Clapham Common on your own and you could just people watch or you could read or you could do all sorts of different things and just imagine all the lives that the people are living. And it's just such a hub of just interesting characters like you go to Camden and you just see the most incredible people in the world and it's like that's what I love about London but to stop prattling on about London and get on to you Soph I have a question for you so as you mentioned in your in your little things you were talking about in your intro you have moved in with your boyfriend over the last month or so month or so isn't it yeah you you did yes you moved the day after my party so yeah nearly a month and you've moved out of living with family and I was just wondering like how you're finding the adjustment of going from living with family and obviously you work with your family as well so that was obviously a strange thing and you've spoken about that before but how have you found the transition of moving from family to living with your boyfriend and also living in a completely new area especially at the moment as well yes so good question so how have I found the transition so without getting into too much detail Matt and I have been thinking about moving in at some point that we just didn't really know where because of money and how because I'm, I'm a serial intern so I've as you know I've been doing lots of different experiences since I graduated two years ago but I haven't had like a staple like graduate role or anything like that so 
and I was meant to be doing Camp America this summer, which kind of threw a spanner into the works because we were preparing to not see each other for the whole of summer and for me to be in extortionate amounts of debt. <laughs> so I, I actually haven't found the transition too bad. So basically, I, for the last year and a half, I worked with my stepmom in her consultancy company. I left that under the premise that I was going to go to Camp America, but now I'm lucky enough to fill a gap right now, but working freelance. And my grandfather, unfortunately, passed away on Valentine's Day this year, which means that my stepmom, who I was living with, went to go and move in with her mum, so my stepdad. So I was literally living just with my dad. And in the past, I've lived with my mum, and like I said earlier, she's a publican, and she's always had a busy life. But I got really used to just living with one other person and in quite a quiet environment as well. And especially when I wasn't really working that much, I had a lot of time to kind of do different things. And Matt is like, he loves organising. So he made this brilliant spreadsheet with like lots of ideas for furniture and stuff. And if I'm going to be honest, so this is where a conversation about finance comes in because this house is basically Matt's family's house. They let it out. And we were like, look, we're not going to find a, a cheaper house. Like, it's got a big garden. It's, it's just perfect. And we were like, let's do it. And it's easier for Matt to kind of manage the process and, and save up because it's a part of like the family system and he gets some money back from it. But I am really struggling to work especially now I'm freelance to make ends meet and to prioritize what to buy because I really want to help by buying all of this furniture and buying all this decor and we're currently in a little bit of a rut because we're waiting for like the staple thing to arrive but we don't want to like waste loads of money on buying lots of little stuff so we're so currently I'm literally sat on the floor in the spare room surrounded by coat hangers my microphone is attached to a loose like cupboard box I don't even know what it is and I feel like I haven't got used to it but I'm really settled I know that's contradicting itself but I feel like it's very this is a natural process and to your second point about moving somewhere that I don't really know about I'm absolutely fine with it like I think naturally if you go to university in somewhere that is not close to you I think that is a brilliant life skill to have because you naturally get used to being away from where you grew up and Matt doesn't live far away so he's a Reading boy so he has always been around this kind of region and I don't feel like I'm far away from home you know it's just it's just I would love to be able to go out and explore the area more but obviously we can't do that too much I'd love to go into Reading roads and go to all the local pubs but you obviously just have to be really careful um so yeah I'm looking forward to when the house is a bit fuller I have a bit more money saved up so I can start actually being more financially independent and we can start exploring the area and that's when I feel like I'll be at home so that was so long-winded, it's a joke. No, not at all. No, I think that's super interesting. And I think a lot of people, especially like when you're not that long out of uni and when we're at this age and stuff, people don't really talk about moving in with their boyfriends or their partners or their girlfriends or whatever that much. And I think sometimes people can think, oh, like 
is it going to work? Is it not going to work? Is this the right thing for me? Should I be living with my mate? Should I be doing X, Y, and Z? And it's nice to hear like different experiences and how it's actually okay to do things in whatever way that you want them as long as it suits you. Well, this is, that's a really interesting point. So this is the great thing. So I have two groups of friends. So I have a group of friends from home, from secondary school, and a group of friends from uni. And they are polar opposites, literally polar opposites. So, and I love that. I have one group of friends that are getting married, having kids, getting mortgages, getting dogs, like you name it, like adult life manifest in that group so much. And then I have my other group of friends who are living in London, single, going, like doing just, just completely opposite. And I love having that because I feel like I am not surrounded by a certain caliber of graduates. I get to kind of live vicariously through different people and experience all these different things. And what really annoys me is when people feel like they have to fit to a particular category when they graduate and do all this thing. And just because I am living with Matt, like I... I'm renting, so I'm not in a mortgage because I wouldn't feel comfortable having my first house and getting a mortgage. I still see all of my friends. You know, we have our time apart because he goes into the office and I work from home. So it works for us. So instantly, some people might be like, oh my God, like they've moved in. Like, isn't that soon? But to us, it's not. So that's fine. And you just need to go with what feels right for you. Like, if you want to get a mortgage, have kids, get married, like, bloody do it. Like, and if you want to like live in a city or move abroad, be, be single, like just completely cut off everyone you've ever known before and just go AWOL, do it. Like it's your life. Like just don't fit to any category. No, I completely agree. And I think there is a lot of people are quick to think there is one prescriptive graduate experience. It's you leave uni, you get a job, you move to X, Y, and Z, you live with mates, then you get into a relationship, then you get married, then you have kids and then you just die. And I'm just like, that's not how life is. I think I maybe <laughs> then you just oh, die. You get the kids and then you just keel yes, over. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know me. Always I saying on the positive side of life, but I think it's it's actually that now we live in a time where, and again, it's a cliche, but we live in a time where everybody does different things. We're all trying out different stuff. We're all doing things at our own pace. You can leave uni and decide not to get a grad job. Like I've got a mate who decided to go and become a Northern Lights photographer. I have another friend who did, became a. Did to Camp America, then became a nanny and moved to Verbier, and then before lockdown was going to move to America. I've got other friends who did similar things to me, left uni, got a job, moved to London or moved to whatever. I've got other friends who have like moved up to Glasgow and moved in together. I've got friends who are still living at home but working. And it's it's understanding that when you leave uni, you think there is one way to do things, and that is not the way it is. And I think the more experiences we hear from people who are doing lots of different things and not necessarily pursuing the traditional graduate route, which there is nothing wrong with. I mean, I did it myself. But I think, again, it's also that thing of you can be in a relationship at this age and that's absolutely fine. You can be single in this age and be absolutely fine. You can be seeing somebody at this age. You can be doing whatever you want to. As long as you're happy, you're healthy, you're doing what is best for you and you feel comfortable in your life, there is no wrong way to be doing graduate life, I don't think. Preach it, girl. Preach it. I love it. I would like to move on to the second question. I feel like I know that if Becky and I chat for decades about this kind of stuff. So the third question I have for you, I think, might be a good time for you to really like get into 
get into it. So I'm going to ask you quite an easy question that might be like quite quantifiable, but I don't know. So a question I have for you, Bex, is what have you utilised from your degree? Because a lot of people talk about how they completely go on a different path to where they where they thought they would. They don't use anything that they study. And I'm just really interested to know if you feel like you've utilised your degree specifically. That's such an interesting question and that's not something that I even had considered. I never think about my degree that much, which is really weird considering it was three years of my life and I wanted to do what I did in my degree when I first started it. So for those of you that don't know, I studied international relations and politics at the University of Sheffield. I had done politics at A-level. I actually went for coffee with my friend Luke on Tuesday, who was also a guest on this podcast. And he said, one thing I remember about you from school is that you wanted to be a politician. And that was when I was, what, 13, 14? So it's really strange so I went to uni being like I'm going to become an MP I'm going to work in the civil service I'm going to work for the UN I'm going to do all sorts of political stuff finished my degree and wanted absolutely nothing to do with it and so I didn't think that I put my degree into practice that much but I think actually it's the skills I learned in terms of the thing about doing a politics degree is that you need to have some sort of confidence because you're in seminars you're debating with big characters you've got to have the confidence to put your opinions across and be able to quantify it with not only research but also tangible arguments and that is the big thing about politics it's all about arguments and debate and theory and all sorts of things like that and it's quite a dogmatic and heated degree to do. And I think the thing that I have learned from my degree is being able to see both sides of the argument, but still being able to pick a side, but then debate in an intellectual way. And I think the thing about my job now is that I have to talk about and I have to pitch why something is going to be good enough. So I work in social media and podcasting, but then I have to also talk about why this podcast is going to work. So I had to pitch to get my work podcast and I had to say, this is why it's going to be good. This is examples of why podcasts are good, X, Y, Z. I think also as well is that I produce another podcast in my company on property market intelligence. And in those early few, like early few weeks of doing it, I had to be able to turn around and have intelligent conversations with our research team who are experts, they're political experts, they're property experts, they're economists, they're all sorts of really, really interesting and intelligent people. And I had to feel like I could feel comfortable talking to them and having in those same intellectual conversations. And I think the good thing about doing my degree is that it gave me that confidence to be able to go into a room or a Zoom call and say, I know about this. I can tell you about macroeconomics. I can tell you about stamp duty. I can tell you about recessions. I can tell you about the 2008 financial crash. And I can talk to you about Tony Blair's election in 1997. There's lots of different stuff I know because I did my degree. And I think the good thing there is that that is that confidence. It instilled in me a confidence to be able to talk about my political opinions, talk about them from an intellectual and academic way, not just to be able to talk about politics from a purely inflammatory debate. This is my opinion and you're wrong sort of way. Yeah, I love how you outline that because I think a lot of people dwell on the actual content of their degree rather than transferable skills that they learn from their degree. And what I've really noticed is so I've met loads of your absolutely wonderful friends and a lot of them were on the same degree as you. It's the same with quite a few of my uni friends as well were in the same degree or at least kind of the same department as me. And what I find is, yes, I might not talk about Victorian literature every day, but my friend is a copywriter and she has a blog and she's really passionate about women in comedy and she, she loves like Phoebe Waller-Bridge 
and she writes these brilliant articles on it and I we talk about that we literally find ourselves talking for hours and hours and hours about topics that resonate with our degree because we found that passion in our degree but we don't identify it as that and then we're like oh wow we can actually have these conversations because we've been exposed to three years of opening up these conversations and debates and I just love that aspect of it and there are kind of little things that you do during the day like especially when I when I meet up with you and your friends and I'm naturally like oh I'm not politically articulate so I'm going to step out of this but you talk in a way that is so natural and I think anyone just subconsciously if you've spent three years studying something it is going to be ingrained in you one way or the other the way you communicate the topics you're interested in so I love how you frame that because like you said your career isn't stereotypically what would align with your degree but you do stuff every single day which reflects what you learn which is so good Thank you. Yeah, no, I think it's one of those things. I think especially, it's especially acute with politics in that I was having this conversation with my friend Alice the other day and we were saying everything is political. You cannot escape politics. Look at what we're in at the moment. There was the daily briefings, all that sort of stuff. And I feel like through doing my degree, not only do I feel that confidence, I also feel like I can just understand those things and I can get beyond the rhetoric and I can get beyond the just bollocks that they feel. And I'm like, I know about this. I know that what they're saying is right or wrong. I know that maybe they're doing this because they're leaning on this particular political theory or they're doing this because this advisor has said this. And it just allows you to have that more nuanced understanding of what's going on. But to relate it back to graduate life and degrees more generally, there are so many things within your degree that you don't necessarily think about that you're using on a day-to-day basis. But again, as you said, if you study something for three years, you cannot then escape that. You don't do three years of studying and then leave and be like, I can't remember anything. I'm just going to go off and do something completely separate and forget everything that I've learned over the last three years. That's not how it works. And it's those soft skills that you pick up throughout your degree are the ones that are then transferable and that you stay with you throughout your entire life I think yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head there because I get sad when people get sad oh great vocabulary so great (laughs) I'm just going to talk really simply here I get sad when people get sad that they haven't used their degree in their grad life and I just think if people kind of switch their mindset then you won't have any regret about spending all that money and getting into all that debt. You would actually start seeing things in more positive light. Yeah, I agree. It's having that optimistic, reflective and almost like understanding outlook on things and just be like, okay, well, I might not be using it in this particular traditional way. It's that traditional argument again. You don't have to use your degree. You don't have to do an English degree and become a poet. You don't have to do a politics degree and become an MP. You don't have to do a biology degree and become a biologist. It's all like, okay, I've picked up this skill. I know this bit of information. I can go and transfer that into something else. And most of the skills that we learn in those things are transferable. And to carry on talking about careers and put things back over to you, as you mentioned once again, you, during lockdown, stopped working at Creator. You stopped working at what you've been doing for the past year. And you've moved into doing more freelance stuff while also applying for other jobs and looking to get into HR and just kind of exploring your options. So I'd be really interested to find out what it, like how that, again, it's that transition, that adjustment between having a more full-time kind of structured career, moving into freelance stuff and doing things so differently, especially at the moment. Wow, it makes me really nostalgic to think about what I've done and like career-wise since I've graduated. And I won't bore you all with it <laughs> because I get worried if I relay what I've done since graduation that people are like, oh, she's, 
she can't stick to one job or she is difficult to work with and I can promise you I'm not <laughs> it's just been the circumstances and the lengths of contracts and stuff and I am very open to new experiences I think I have a real complex with myself that I've never really found something that I'm exceptional at and I've learned recently to never envy someone for something they have and to just sit and enjoy the things that you're pretty average at because I'm like that's fine so how that manifests in my job is I've done so many different things because I just love getting all these experiences and like you said a lot of my jobs that I've got a lot of the experiences I've had have been through luck and have been through connections and meeting the right people at the right time and having family that work in the industry and that is a part of my privilege that is something that I'm fully aware of that I am I'm super super grateful for it but I went from doing I was potentially I was meant to be doing only three months with Jonah and then I ended up doing a year because I got sucked into loads of projects then Camp America and that was a real tough time because so this was around the end of season two when we were doing the graduate takeover and I was, I was talking about it then. It was just the worst timing. It was coming into lockdown. It was me not knowing if I'm going to the States. It was me not knowing if I was going to be able to save. It was me not knowing if I was going to move with Matt. And it was me not knowing what I was going to do with the career. And I was just shitting myself. And I struggle working by myself I struggle working from home because I can't hold myself accountable I need people around me to hold me accountable to, to do work and be, be productive so that has been interesting to say the least and I really long for that kind of busy office lifestyle and that's not going to happen for most people until next year anyway so I'm quite happy being where I am now but the problem is with freelancing is there is no stability. You can go one month doing next to nothing and then the next month doing literally 7am to 9pm because of different time zones and different projects and stuff. So I deal well with that kind of uncertainty and a lot of people don't. Yeah, so I think it's working for me at the minute, but I am a very in the moment kind of person. So I am fully aware that the job market and job applications and vacancies is really complex at the minute, especially for HR because they've got a lot of stuff to deal with. And that is my dream. I want to work in HR. I want to be a people manager. I want to infiltrate companies and teach them about diversity and inclusion and learning and development. I've got too much stuff. And HR is the main avenue for that. And I'm quite happy to sit back and wait on that and do more freelance work. However, I can't manage the financial instability and the also the uncertainty that comes with post-COVID and the effects it's going to have on, on the economy. I just cannot drive myself to apply for jobs. I can't do it. And it's, it's really bad because I need to have deadlines and have those incentives but even if I have them there at the minute I'm like oh but tomorrow I'm going to wake up and do six hours of work so what am I complaining about why do I need to look for a job but I need to I need to because otherwise it's just going to keep going back and back and back and 
I'm also going to forget that I have to pay 20% tax in March. So that's not going to be fun. <laughs> I think that's really important to, again, recognise and have that intuition and to have that self-awareness to be able to say, this isn't ideal for me at the moment in terms of the fact that I would love to be in an office and this I have a vision for where I see my career going, but also to appreciate that you're enjoying what you're doing at the moment. And at the moment, you don't necessarily have that motivation to apply for jobs because you are enjoying what you're doing. And you have got a little bit of job security and you're going again, getting up and doing six hours work. It's not like you're sitting and doing nothing and you've got no tenacity to go and work at all. It's not like you're just sitting there being like, oh, I'll just do whatever. Like we're in a pandemic, we're in a recession. I'll just kind of leave it. It'll be fine. Like you've still got that work ethic and you've still got that self-awareness to be able to understand that this is what you're looking for. This is what you want to do. You've got that vision. But again, knowing that at the moment, we're in a pandemic we're in a recession so you're not necessarily going to have that same motivation to be able to do it as you would in traditional times maybe yeah totally and I really appreciate you saying that as well Bex because I know that compared to a lot of people I have it really lucky and I think that is actually something that I have when I'm applying for these jobs I look at a job and as us, all of our graduates know they say it's entry level but then they ask for like 20 years experience <laughs> quite literally and I'm just thinking you know what there's someone out there that really needs this job and there's graduates that have just left university and they can't find anything there are people that have been made redundant and they can't find anything but the thing that I need to remember is I am now living with someone who relies on me to be relatively financially stable and that's just a part of it that's a part of the process and as well as that I can lose my freelance work in a second and there can be a month where I don't earn any money and I can't live to my means at all or pay bills. So I need to think about that. I need to be selfish in that way and, and apply for those jobs. But at the minute, maybe next week, hang on, next week, okay, so when you guys are listening to this, I would have applied for 30 jobs. <laughs> I'm joking, that is not going to happen. <laughs> oh, so, oh, so you're brilliant. Um, no, I think, and again, it's, and to relate it back to graduate life more generally, you're going to have peaks and troughs. You're going to have times where you've got so much motivation to write 30 cover letters and to do all these arduous application processes and you're going to be so on it. And then you're going to have a week where you just cannot be asked. All you want to do is watch Selling Sunset on Netflix and eat Netflix, eat pizza and eat out to help out and all that sort of I'll stuff. I'll eat Netflix, I'll eat Netflix, it's great, really tasty. But sometimes you're going to have those weeks and it's it's all about understanding that, as I kind of said before, life is full of texture. It's all about those ups and downs. It's all about the differences. It's all about that you're going to have amazing weeks, you're going to have shit weeks. And it's understanding that I think when you come out of uni, you're expecting it just to be this linear upwards trajectory where you're like, everything's going to be great. I've got a degree. I'm going to live my life. My 20s are supposed to be the best time of my life. And it's not going to be great all the time. And you're allowed to feel shit. And there's nothing wrong with feeling shit. And actually, if you sit in that feeling and you don't suppress it and you understand that it will pass, ultimately, that's going to be better for your mental health because you'll learn to live with it and deal with it and find coping strategies and that can only be a positive thing so I think to relate it back to what you were saying because I've got a complete tangent it's all about understanding that when you're applying for jobs or when you're working or when you're doing lots of different things you're going to do lots of different things you're going to do freelance you're going to do full-time you're going to do internships you're going to do x y and z and there's nothing wrong with any of those because you're gaining skills from all of these experiences that are only going to serve you in the long run yeah I love that Bex and you you need to keep 
reminding me and yourself of that as well like if guys if you feel like shit you just go to sit in it and talk to someone about it and there's especially now when the world is going through so much turmoil there is going to be someone you know that can have that kind of empathy and compassion and even if they don't even if they're not experiencing the same things as you they can try like be open to it don't sit and dwell and think that it's all over because it's not and I know that I come from a place but I can't really say that because I get so angry at job descriptions I get so angry at them and it's I spend hours doing my CV and my cover letter and I, I'm Matt one sat down to with Matt doing it into the late hours of the evening and he's like what are you doing I'm like I'm still doing that application because they've asked all these questions you need to research their values you need to do all this and then you don't hit anything back. It's the most disheartening thing ever. You've just got to keep persevering. And I know so many people that didn't get even an interview like after doing 50 applications and they're in their dream world now. So just keep going, guys. I'm going to kind of like go off and stop me talking. And I'm going to ask you a final question, Rebecca. So I know personally that you have had quite a few ups and downs in 2020 and not just because of coronavirus and lockdown but in general it's been quite a interesting year for you so what would you say since january this year has been the biggest thing you have learned about yourself oh my god when you said you were going deep you were really going deep okay so yeah as as you said i'm I'm, all, I'm an open book. I will overshare it. I will talk about anything. So let's just go in. Let's just get it out in the open. So 2020 has been a year. It's been a year for everybody. And in the grand scheme of things, I'm incredibly privileged and I really don't have anything to moan about. But I'm going to moan anyway because I love a moan. But 20, yeah, 2020 has been a year. So the end of 2019, my parents got divorced. My dog died. It was all just a bit of a shit show. And then January 1st rolls around. I had the cliche, oh my God, it's the new year, what's going on? Had a massive panic attack, felt awful, and decided that I was going to get a therapist. And so at the beginning of the year, for the first three months of the year, until kind of the third or fourth week of lockdown, I was in therapy, I stopped drinking, I stopped dating, I wasn't on my phone, I was being incredibly healthy and wholesome and running 10Ks and being Mrs. Wellness. Honestly, I could have been Gwyneth Paltrow, that's what the kind of life I was living. And then obviously lockdown hit and it was shit for everybody. And again, in the grand scheme of things, I was incredibly privileged. I had a house to live in. I had a house I could possibly go home to if I wanted to. I wasn't in a high risk category. All my family have been fine. It's all been good for me. So again, really wanted to caveat with that. But I spent 10 weeks living completely on my own, which I'd never done before. I've always been quite a, an independent person. I knew I could live on my own, but I'd never actually done it in practice. So I decided to stay in London because my dad was in the police working in London, obviously high risk category. I used to have, I used to have lung, but I still do have lung problems. And so I thought probably best not to risk it and go home and live with a policeman. And so decided to stay in London. And those 10 weeks were, they were wild. They were really wild. I learned so much about myself. I went from being catatonically depressed at points. I went from running every single day. I was doing home workouts. I was cooking. And then the next day I was crying and not leaving my bed and having freakouts about work and cancelling my therapy and having panic attacks and all sorts of stuff. It was just incredibly tumultuous. And 
and then we came out of lockdown and I was like I'm gonna start dating and drinking again and got as per usual ghosted by a few guys had some lovely rubbish experiences it was all great I ended up in a and I've had all sorts this year I've just been it's been really really weird but I would say to come back to your question after rambling on for a solid five minutes about where was me uh, to come back to your question about rambling on we both do it and it's (laughs) we have a ramble questions on ramble (laughs) we have an Adam Buxton ramble chat but I would say the biggest thing I've learned about myself this year is quite how stoic not no stoic's the wrong word I would say just strong generally which isn't a great adjective to use but I would say that I've just learned how strong of a person I am and how resilient maybe maybe that's a better way of putting it because as I spoke about on this podcast before and I'm going to not go into it in too much detail because I'm trying to be a little bit less a bit bit more vague about my mental health in terms of what I speak about publicly because I feel like I'm out of the worst of it and don't want to keep dwelling on it but I've had a wild again wild time over the past four or five years I've been anorexic I've been depressed I've been suicidal I've had all sorts of stuff and the last few months have felt incredibly overwhelming at points but actually what I've proven to myself and as I sit here now I was journaling this morning and journaling is something that I would recommend to anybody even if you're not struggling with your mental health journal it changes your life 100% I could not agree more yeah and even and even if you're just doing it for like in five years time you want to look back and see what you were doing in your life I would wholeheartedly recommend it but I was sitting journaling this morning and I was thinking to myself I kind of I remember writing down being like I don't think I've ever been happier and I just feel so content at the moment and I think that's because of all the shit I've been through for the past few years and particularly it just felt so acute during lockdown it just felt like every single little thing that could possibly be going wrong in my mind be that previous anorexic thoughts be that depression be that my family troubles be that boy troubles be that alcohol be that whatever it all felt like it was kind of coming at me at once and I had the opportunity to sit again in those feelings and really work out where they were coming from how best to deal with them and understand that I've made it through all that shit I have survived an eating disorder I have survived being suicidal I've survived alcoholism I've survived all sorts of different things and I'm still here and I'm still going and I'm still working and I've still got friends and I've still got all these amazing experiences and I'm the happiest and most content in myself and most confident I've ever been and I just think that actually this year I have learned not only that I am strong and I am resilient but also that I can be myself and that's not a bad thing I used to be so self-conscious of my personality I used to think that I was too shy I mean I was literally called the mute for the first two years of school because I didn't speak and I had no confidence I had no friends at school because I was so quiet and so insecure and I always self-sabotaged and would say that oh I'm just a shy person or I haven't got a personality and I remember a boy said about me in my first year of uni she's really fit but she's not got no personality and in my head I was like "Woo, I'm really fit because no one had ever called me fit before but then I also it really stuck in my mind I was like oh shit I've got no personality and obviously I did have a personality he just couldn't see it but also I feel like I've learned to kind of get into that and be like you're so strong you're so resilient and now I also kind of love myself a bit more I like the fact that I'm bigger than I used to be I like the fact that I can talk for bloody England as you can tell from this answer but it's just like understanding myself and I feel like I know myself a lot better and I can appreciate that I'm strong and I'm resilient and I can be unapologetically myself now thank you so much for being so vulnerable about that I know you're an open book but I know that for anyone these kind of conversations is difficult to have I know it's just me and you at the minute 
And what I what really resonated with me with everything you've just said is how you have definitely learned, and I've seen this in you, and this goes for so many graduates as well, that you cannot pour from an empty glass. And that's the kind of state I'm in this week as well. And I'm I'm so aware of that. You cannot pour from an empty glass. Like you think that everything you do, even if it's not for yourself, is going to get you somewhere but that's not the case you have to be selfish and really think about what you want what you need your own space you've got to learn to say no and prioritize properly to just make sure that you are learning about yourself and getting used to yourself and being comfortable with yourself and then you can start putting that energy in other people and i have seen that in you because i'm going to be completely transparent there was a time when i knew you where you were so within yourself because you were just like I, I don't have any energy to give to anyone or even myself you just got into a really sad state about it and now I can just see you're glowing and you're I know we're in a lockdown we're just coming out of one but you can give that energy to the other people you can give that energy to work you can give that energy to your hobbies and your walking and all that kind of stuff because you've allowed yourself to fill up your own glass and that is the most important thing and I know that manifests in people so differently how you you know gain your energy and how you get happy but I think if anyone's resonating with what Becky says or they've gone through some like similar experiences and stuff I I know I can talk on behalf of Becky here just reach out to her because she will be happy to talk about it and you know and just share some insights because that's what people need so thank you no thank you so no and i and again just to re-emphasize that point of what so said like i will talk to anybody about anything there is nothing and this is something that some of my mates say about me is that there is nothing that's too taboo to talk to me about i will never judge anybody for everything because i have probably done it myself and I just think it's it's being intuitive it's understanding as i said before you're gonna have shit times you're gonna have good times you've got to sit in the shit times and understand them and work out why they're happening and give yourself the benefit of the doubt and say it's going to be a bit rubbish for a bit and that's going to be okay but let's sit in it and let's grow from it and let's learn from it let's not see it as a life-defining experience because I know that I always used to see being dumped being ghosted as like the things with boys I always see that as life-defining I used to be like oh my god I'm not lovable no one wants me xyz and when I've had shit sexual experiences that I won't go into because I think they're a bit too deep for a podcast but when I've had those sort of experiences they've been so traumatic that I've not been able to deal with it and things like that are incredibly traumatic but I think it's again it's trying to understand yourself working out where that pain comes from working out where xyz feeling comes from understanding it understanding it's a part of you and it doesn't take away from who you are as a person but using it instead of something to grow from and i think that's yeah that's i think that's the best thing to think about it all definitely and just to add to that point as well i was speaking to my current employer simon who is a brilliant consultant coach you know that he's done it and i was saying to him because we do this thing called a check-in which to anyone listening we do with all of our guests on this podcast as well and it really helps us feel grounded and gain that psychological safety and I was basically talking about what I was distracted by and I was like I just do not feel like myself this week I cannot get out of this just rut and I have no energy and my resilience is super low and I just feel anxious but I don't know what I'm anxious about and he was like 
you need to sit yourself in the middle of a room and literally try and sense where the anxiety is coming from, whether it's in your face, whether it's tapping your shoulder, whether it's in the pit of your stomach, and you literally just have to try and place it. Because if you try and recognize it as it is, then it will help you move on. Mm, that's so interesting I love that actually because it is all about being intuitive I think that's kind of what it links back to everything we've talked about so far and it's yeah it's being intuitive it's understanding yourself and it's taking the time to understand yourself and then not apologizing for it I mean we apologize all the time for rambling but I mean it's being like this is me this is a feeling I'm having I am not that feeling it is not me but I can learn from it and I can grow from it. And to go on from that a little bit and to talk about growth and learning more stuff about yourself, the final question that I want to ask you, Safe, is that it's been two years since you left uni and obviously you've got a year more on me and you've kind of been in this stuff for a little bit longer. And so, I mean, just personally for me, but I'm sure for our listeners as well, what would you say is your biggest learning or learnings from graduate life? Oh my God, okay. So, it's a big question it's a big question <laughs> what has been my I'm gonna stick with the learn because if I go to learnings we'll be here forever mate <laughs> my biggest learn okay so I am going to try and be as specific as possible because I seriously feel that these years are probably the most open growth years of your entire life to be honest i think that my biggest learn is if you don't ask you don't get and i mean that in so many different contexts i don't i don't just mean that in careers and all that kind of stuff i just mean that in personal life i have just i was just so worried before when I was at university and for education to just ask for things and that fear of sounding stupid or that you're a burden to someone or anything like that I had that was a that was my biggest anxiety was sounding stupid and being a burden because I was a people pleaser so I didn't want to annoy people and I still am to an extent but I think something I've definitely learned over the last couple of years is that you just have to ask people if you don't understand something ask them because you'll learn and the likelihood is that they want you to ask that question in the first place if you feel like you're doing too much at work and you're not getting paid enough ask because they probably don't know that you're not that you feel that way so just ask them the worst thing they're going to say is no like f off like so what that's fine at least you are at least they know where you stand if you feel like you've done something wrong or you're having a problem with like friends and you're you're a bit stuck in that just just ask share your experience and ask for an outsider's opinion don't sit in it and worry about it too much and just try and figure it all out for yourself there are so many communities out there even if you don't consider yourself to be someone that has a big group of friends there's so many communities so for example my my sister recently has been diagnosed with a skin condition where she flares up and I think I do think I have it as well but it's really getting her down because she is really into like cosmetics and that kind of stuff and she didn't know anyone who went through it so she asked one person who had some I think one of her friends who had uh, eating disorder previously or has like something like that I don't know 
And she was just like, look, like, why don't you look on Facebook and try and find a community or something? And she was like, oh, I haven't thought about doing that. And now she has her own Instagram page with skincare products. She has loads of new ideas. She has loads of insights into what makes it better. So if you just, you just need to be forthcoming and be inquisitive and ask questions. And because that is the only way you are going to get more experiences, learn more about yourself and other people, and just kind of literally, that is how you're going to go life by the horns if you ask lots of questions. Don't feel like you're ever going to bother anyone because through them. No, I think that's amazing. I was literally just sitting there like nodding away I was like yes yes literally because it is it's all about asking and it's it can feel so intimidating and it's the same with leaving your it's, it's, it literally is leaving your comfort zone asking those questions and it's again yeah if you don't ask you're not going to get it because you've got to have that confidence to be able to go for what you want and it's it's the same whether that's your work or your personal life if you want to pay rise ask for it if you want to get more experience or something ask someone for it because the worst they can say is no and it can feel like a rejection and it can feel like, oh my goodness, I put myself out there and they don't want me. It's the same with relationships. It's like if you go to someone like, oh, will you be my boyfriend? And then they go, no, thanks, I really fancy you that much. And it's, it's that. And it's understanding that that rejection is not reflective of you because that person might have their own or will have their own ulterior motives. Your boss maybe says no to a pay rise because they can't get the stuff from above to give you that pay rise. Or someone says no to being in a relationship with you because they're not in the right place. Or you don't get a house with a certain amount of housemates or something because that's just not what's available at the moment. And it's all those little things that if you don't put yourself out there in the first place, you're never going to get it anyway. So it's stepping out of your comfort zone. Even if you do it, say, once a day and just doing a tiny little thing that's a bit more challenging for you, you're ultimately, you're going to keep growing and you're going to create those new synapses in your brain that allow you to grow. And just the more you ask, the more likely you are to get something. And I think that's such an important point. Yeah, I think you summarised what I said so perfectly. I think what's really, what I've definitely learned since doing this podcast is sometimes you need someone to play back what you've said to fully understand it. And now that you've said that, I'm like that 100% because even you using the example of relationships, because obviously I'm, I'm in a relationship, but I know so many people that have been exploring like the single life, the dating life, all that kind of stuff, come through breakups, everything. And we're not like we're in a step we're at an age now and we're at a part of our life where we don't want to waste time so if you have something on your mind be diplomatic about it obviously but just face it head on ask that question be brave be bold that is a whole part of growing so yeah and i thank you for bringing up that example because it's so true No, no, thank you for talking about it. Because I just think as well, we shy away from conversations that we think are difficult because we don't want to get a negative reaction. But sometimes those negative reactions can actually be constructive and help you more than if you got a yes. So I just think have conversations that feel difficult. And that is the big, again, I think that's also a learning of mine from graduate life is that the more you put yourself out there, the more you have those difficult conversations, the more you're going to gain from them. Because at this age, we're like sponges and we're going to absorb everything. So the more you can do and try and see and attempt at this age, the better yeah and just to give a couple of examples there I had a I have a friend who lives in Derby and obviously working from home now but works in London and she was like look like I'm moving to Derby I need more money otherwise I can't come to work and they agreed to something they made a deal I also have been thinking about when I've been on meetings recently and I haven't I know this is big in marketing as well obviously marketing finance 
so many acronyms and so much jargon. And if you don't ask that question, you will waste more time. So if you don't ask in a meeting, can I just clarify what does that mean? Then, you know, you're wasting your time being there. You need to learn. You need to ask those questions. Like, it reminds me of a time when I was working at the New York Times. I was working in marketing and there was literally so much language I just did not understand. And halfway through my internship, I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm going to ask. I'm going to be bold. And I learned so much about marketing in that space of three months. I learned so much. So just, just do it. Open up those questions. And to just jump in on that again, my first, say, six months in my job, I was scared shitless most of the time. I didn't ask questions. I was quiet. I didn't socialize. I didn't do X, Y, and Z. I was just an absolute nervous wreck. And I was like, oh my God, I can't ask anything. They're going to think I'm really stupid. I'm the only 21 year old in the office. I'm already out of my depth. Let's just, let's just hope for the best and Google it. Now, I will literally have a conversation with anybody. I have had conversations with our CEO. I have interviewed our head of residential for a podcast and pushed him on things. I will email anybody. I'll ask anybody anything because I learned that actually the only way you're going to grow in your career and in your personal life is to just bloody do it. To coin the Nike phrase, just do it. Just bloody do it. Just give it a go. And you'll feel so much better for it because otherwise you just sit in that anxiety and you'll just make yourself, you work yourself up more and more and more and more. But if you just ask it in the first place and it gets out of the way and it's done. Yeah, I love it. And I think the topic and the statement of if you don't ask, you don't get is a great way to round this up. And I have absolutely loved having this catch up, Bex. And we really hope you guys as listeners have enjoyed or resonated with something we've said because that is ultimately our goal we don't want to just sit here and talk about ourselves <laughs> that is why we ask you as much as we love that <laughs> <laughs> however we do we are coming to the end of season three and in two weeks time we have another graduate takeover coming out which is very exciting we're not going to disclose the theme yet because it's all kind of up in the air we're coordinating i wanted to be a little bit of a surprise and then we're going to take a little bit of a break four weeks back would you say a good month a good four weeks good month yeah yeah and in that time is going to be our one year anniversary and we have a little bit of a surprise for you to celebrate our one year and then we also have loads of guests lined up for season four so we're not going anywhere trust me <laughs> oh no yeah i mean you're probably sick of our voices by now but we're not going anywhere so good luck not with anywhere. season four <laughs> And I literally cannot believe we're going on to season four. That is crazy. It's mental. I just remember, I really strongly remember we were sitting in Megan's in Ballam on the launch day. So 17th of September, 2019. We were sitting in Megan's having lunch, uh, having breakfast even. And we had our launch party later on that day. And we were like, we've released it. Where are all the Instagram stories bigging us up? Where's this, this, and this? Oh my God, it's going to flop. Let's look at the analytics. Two people have listened. Oh my God, it's a failure. We're going to give up. And now we couldn't care less about analytics. We could just, we just enjoy it for what it is. We love interviewing people. We love having these conversations. We've learned so much. We can both now talk even more than we already could before. And so, yeah, it's amazing. And it kind of links back to what we were saying. If you want to do something, just do it. Because we did this podcast because we just were like, do you know what? Fuck it. We want a podcast. And look where it's got us now to annoy you for even longer. <laughs> exactly. I am so happy. And this has given me the energy that I need back. So thank you so much. And if you guys want to keep up to date with everything we're doing or you want to participate in the takeover 
and just keep up to date with all the stuff that we're getting on with and the surprise that we have at the year anniversary then follow us on instagram at birdlife by the horns and on twitter at birdlife bth god all of this plugging back oh, all the plugs you know me social queen but yeah thank you so so much for listening and we will see you in a couple of weeks with our graduate takeover see you later guys bye